and welcome back to another episode of Making Sense of Money. I'm Nikki Jankola-Shanks. Last episode, we talked about credit scores in preparation for our Build Credit to Your Advantage webinar with University of Illinois Extension on November 9th. Both that podcast as well as a recorded webinar are available, so check them out if you haven't. We will have them listed in our show notes. Today, we're going to talk about funding school with scholarships. So I'm happy to announce that my colleague, Kara Holloway, who's the director of scholarships at UIC, has been gracious enough to agree to this podcast today. So Kara, would you like to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about what you do at UIC? Well, hello, and thank you for this opportunity to talk about the world of scholarships. So in my role at UIC, I have the pleasure of working with students who are prospective students, current students at two levels of study, that's undergraduates and professionals. And our discussions really cover a wide berth of information. So everything from what the campus scholarship process here is at UIC, as well as best practices, for scholarship applications, whether they are campus-related or conducting an external scholarship search. We're really excited to have you here. Thank you so much. In a previous episode, we did talk about 529 plans, and we had somebody from the treasurer's office on. And that's another way that families can plan ahead for college costs. And Andrew and I have talked a lot about student loans since we first started the podcast, but we haven't really talked about other ways of funding a college degree, such as scholarships. So Kara, what makes scholarships kind of unique as a funding source? How would you describe them to someone who may be new to scholarships? Oh, Nikki, that those are uh, great questions. So I consider scholarships unique in that they are, shall I classify them as gifts? Gifts meaning that, you know, it's funding support that a student does not need to repay. And even better, Nikki, are scholarships that are considered renewable. And renewable uh, simply means funding support that can be extended beyond, you know, one semester or one academic year. So really a a good deal of best practice information that I will share with student stakeholders and families is to, when applying for scholarships, read those fine details to know what the commitment of the offer might be. And then certainly when those offer letters do come in, read all the details to know uh, what a scholarship provider might be looking for, for the opportunity to extend beyond that semester or academic year. And, you know, I don't want your listeners to get anxious about this. When I say what a provider might be looking for, I really mean things such as you know, simply a letter to let the provider know that you're going to continue with your studies, or sometimes they might ask for a transcript as well. Thank you, Kara. And and for our listeners, I've been lucky enough to have worked with Kara for several years now, and we've co-presented Finding School with Scholarships for a webinar once, which we can also link in the show notes. One of the things that we have tried to do in the past when we've co-facilitated webinars or worked on outreach regarding scholarships is to debunk some of the myths surrounding scholarships that that both of us have heard over the years. So Carrie, you might have even more 
myths that you've heard, especially in the past, <laughs> the more recent past couple of years, what do you think are some of the most important myths that we should debunk today for our listeners? Oh my goodness, there are so many, um, but my top list would be scholarships are instant. Oh, my friends, I apologize, but scholarships do require a process. It's manageable, but it is still a process. Many students think that scholarships are only for students who have a 4.0 GPA, and that simply is not true. Sometimes uh, stakeholders, guardians, counselors, parents will say to me that they've heard that one needs to pay to access the best scholarship opportunities. And no, 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 we'll talk more about that one. Some students believe that it's hard to look for scholarships. I would say, oh my goodness, these days it's easier than ever. Some families believe that scholarships are only for students who have demonstrated financial need. And there are scholarships you know, looking for students with financial need, but they're plenty based on other types of merit. Some think that all scholarships are scams, and that's not true. We do need to be wary of some, but, you know, many are quite legitimate and beneficial. Here's one of the fan favorites. I'll call it scholarships that are of smaller award amounts should be ignored or bypassed. No, 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 no. Apply for those. If you get two or three, guess what? You have the funding support that you need. So quick, quick side story for me. I didn't get a ton of scholarships when I went to U of I. I graduated from U of I at Urbana-Champaign, but I did get a couple hundred dollars from a, a few different organizations. So one of them was through my church. So they, you know, it was enough to maybe help with books for part of a semester. And then another one, we actually, my mom and I actually found a scholarship for people who are half Greek and half Italian, which I am. (laughs) So I got like, I don't know, it was like $200 or something, but still like it's $200 more than I had. So there's, I feel like there could be scholarships out there for anything, (laughs) anything random. That's fantastic. (laughs) So I know that it can be very overwhelming to figure out a plan for funding your degree or even just start looking for scholarships. So Kara, do you have any suggestions for where people should look for sources for scholarships? Absolutely. You know, I would say that even during the height of the devastating COVID-19 pandemic, scholarship opportunities were available. And as you uh, indicated, Nikki, there are so many types of scholarships out there. And so three primary sources of scholarships that students and the listeners should think about would be government, colleges, and universities, and then private organizations. And that's where, you know, we'll talk a little bit later about those external scholarship searches. So Kara, you've been guiding students on how to prepare their application materials for scholarships for a long time. What are some of the things that scholarship providers consider when reviewing applications for scholarships? Oh, those factors include things like, oh, well-defined goals, um, good grades, leadership, engagement and volunteerism or community service, perseverance. We're talking about University of Illinois students, so of course, integrity, and then uh, motivation, you know, perseverance. UIC specifically has a tool that your office oversees that helps students identify and apply for scholarships. Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Carol? That's correct. We have uh, at UIC a portal called UIC SNAP, as in it's a SNAP to apply for scholarships. And that portal houses uh, campus applications for our current and continuing uh, students. However, our incoming students at this time don't need to apply for scholarship opportunities separately. Essentially, the same documents that are provided for the admissions process also receive reviews from UIC admissions and the College of Study for scholarship consideration. Now, I know that the UIC SNAP portal may be uh, unique to our campus. So for your listeners, what I would advise is simply finding out, you know, what is the process on your campus and who are the key stakeholders who can help you navigate that process. I'm sure that there's going to be a scholarship office or perhaps a financial aid and scholarships office or a scholarship and fellowship office on campus with uh, colleagues who are happy to assist you. Thank you so much, Kara. I think another thing that you know about me, Kara, is when it comes to scholarships, I'm a big proponent of avoiding scholarship fraud. The Federal Trade Commission or FTC, which is tasked with protecting consumers from fraud, has recognized an increase in scholarship scams in the past over several years. I couldn't find any updated data for the past few years, but I'm sure it's up there and we're going to continue to see some scholarship fraud, especially with some of the changes in student loan processes that we're anticipating as well. It's important to recognize that there are some very legitimate scholarship search companies out there, but there are also some that are created just to commit fraud by misrepresenting who they are, like They might try to say they're associated with the federal government, but they're not. Or there are some that have tried to take money just to access scholarships, which Kara mentioned earlier. That is a myth. You do not have to pay to access the best scholarships. And then in those cases where they take your money to access scholarships, they'll never deliver the information. They already have what they want from you, your money, your personal information, etc. And it's important to kind of think about asking yourself if you're unsure about whether a financial aid opportunity or scholarship opportunity is legitimate, ask yourself what is being offered? Is the service going to be worth the money? That depends on like what you're doing there, regardless of if it's financial aid or scholarships. Do the claims seem to be too good to be true, which is often the case with scholarship fraud. And Andrea, if I could just quickly add, you know, we're all the same rules that uh, one normally would related to fishing. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see upticks in that methodology now. You know, getting an unsuspected or unexpected email with uh, something to click. The best advice is, you know, don't do that. Uh, take the, if it's email from someone claiming to be a foundation, you know, capture that name, do a little research outside of the email that you've received. And another visual guide can be landing on websites that have a lot of errors on them. If something looks unscrupulous, it probably is. 
Nikki and I were just discussing this with some team members yesterday about the increase in the sophistication of phishing attempts. For instance, we did a housing and rental webinar a few months ago. And one of the examples that the FTC had was that a fraudster will monitor your email to see where you are supposed to be directing payments during purchase of a home. And then they will basically act like they are your trusted representatives and tell you there's a new place to make your down payment and to do it to the, and the only reason that they know that is because they've been monitoring your email. So we're big proponents of also updating your passwords on all your email as well. That's so true. We just want all of your listeners to stay safe. Stay yes. Safe. <laughs> yes. Yes. And Andrew and I talk a lot about scams and fraud and changing your passwords. So it all fits. <laughs> so Kara, we've talked about some tools that people can use, what to consider when actually applying in your application, and then ways to avoid scholarship fraud. But can we kind of go through an example of what someone might do to look for a scholarship if they don't go to UIC, for example? Oh, absolutely. So earlier I mentioned a couple of times the phrasing conducting an external scholarship search. Well, let's demystify that. Um, It's a lot more simple than maybe it sounds. You know, really what we're talking about doing is looking for funding support from private agencies. And that's whether it's a foundation or a business or maybe even a community organization. Uh, Nick, you gave some examples earlier. You mentioned receiving scholarship funding from uh, your house of worship. Well, there are also things, let's say a chamber of commerce, a fraternal organization, sometimes student organizations or the professional arm of the student organization may have a scholarship opportunity. Here at UIC, we joyfully say, start local and expand global. And really with that, what we're suggesting is that students think about things within their everyday sphere of influence. So affiliations that a student might have, mentors who might be assisting a student, find out if there are scholarship opportunities within those areas. Once that has occurred, let's go on to the next step. Let's inquire with extended family and friends about guilds and volunteer groups and even their places of employment. Now, Andrew is aware of this one. Nikki, you may uh, giggle at this one a little bit. We are finding that oftentimes, you know, our older siblings, cousins, other family members may be at a place of employment, let's say, you know, five, seven, 10, 15 years. Well, guess what? That company has just become philanthropic and are now offering scholarship opportunities. Well, who knows about that? The people going through orientation right now, not our cousins and other relatives. So, you know, we might have to make that ask. And I know listeners, it's a little bit different of an ask, but you know, let's go ahead and let people know that we are looking for scholarship opportunities and then they can check with their HR or whichever, you know, unit at their job to see if they're available. 
Similarly, for those community organizations, a lot of times, you know, it's small staff, it might still be a hard copy scholarship application, and it's in a file cabinet somewhere, literally, and our contact simply needs to ask to get a copy and then pass it on to you. With the global, we keep expanding once we have exhausted every opportunity that's directly in our midst. And that's where your favorite search engine comes in. Uh, my friends, there are reputable uh, search engines available. You're probably familiar with some of them, like scholarships.com, Peterson's, fastweb.com. But you can also take topics, keywords, categories, place them in front of the word scholarships within your favorite search engine and see what's returned. Andrea's done this exercise with me before. Students have found gaming scholarships during the pandemic when everybody started gardening. Students were finding gardening scholarships, cooking scholarships, you know, all kinds of opportunities out there. You simply need to allocate a little bit of time to conduct the search. I think a lot of our listeners are probably pretty good at using search engines now. So this is just another method of finding scholarships is using our, our favorite search engine. I think one of the other things that probably you're asked a lot, Kara, and sometimes I'm, I'm asked, but not near as frequently as you are, is what are the things that students or potential students might be asked to include in their scholarship applications? Oh, sure. Those components can vary, of course, but very common ones would be, you know, answering questions or providing an essay or personal statement, providing a resume or student engagement list, I'll call it, student involvement list. So, you know, literally listing activities that one has been involved with, providing a transcript, and oftentimes they're not official transcripts, you know, just the documentation from your campus, letters of recommendation. And I must add, a best practice is please, 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 as you're selecting uh, persons that you know will represent you best, make sure to have a conversation with them to ensure that they will be available to provide the letter of recommendation within the time frame that you need it for that application. It's important to know that usually incomplete scholarship applications are not reviewed and they don't receive full consideration. And those recommendation letters are considered a required you know, component for applications. And then also, you know, your FAFSA information, or if you are a permanent resident of the great state of Illinois, and you're not able to submit a FAFSA, then it would be the detail from the alternative application for Illinois financial aid. I think the one thing that I'd just like to pop in and add is as someone who has to write multiple letters of recommendation for different students, it is so much easier to have a thoughtful good recommendation letter when I've given enough time. I've had students ask me a month in advance, two months in advance, which is fabulous. And then I've had students ask day of because they didn't realize when the deadline was or that they needed a recommendation or an, another recommendation. They had already asked somebody else. So like 
those aren't going to be as good quality day of if I can even do it. And you know, Andrea, something else that can impact quality would be knowing what the scholarship is related to. Mm -hmm. So if um, students could also provide a little background on the scholarship description or maybe the mission of the firm offering the scholarship, that can help a recommender really hone in on how you are the ideal candidate for that scholarship opportunity. Absolutely. I always ask when someone says, can you be a reference or can you be a recommender or write me a letter of recommendation? What is it for? Can you give me the details of the opportunity? If they have a personal statement that is going to that opportunity, if they can provide it, I will cater my recommendation letter to what they've already stated to back it up. And that makes it a lot easier. And a lot of my students have been successful in receiving scholarships, fellowships, other types of waivers that required an application process. And I don't have as much experience with letters of recommendation for students, but for people who have worked for me and, and some of those maybe interns as well. And I always tell them, and Andrew, you kind of said this too, but if they're applying for a job, I want to know exactly what the scholarship, what the job, like whatever, what qualities they are specifically looking for. So that way I can make sure to address those specific points in my letter of recommendation for whatever it is. If it's, we're looking for somebody with leadership skills and I'm going to focus on examples that I have for that particular thing. <laughs> Basically, I feel like the more you can tell the person, the better. So we, we've kind of already talked a little bit about this, Kara, but what are some challenges that students face when applying for scholarships? Well, Nikki, I call these the hazards that we can avoid because they're in our control. Number one, I cannot say it enough, waiting until the deadline to apply. You know, Andrea was talking about this a little bit from the recommender's point of view. Listeners, Please do not wait to apply for a scholarship the day of or a couple of days before the deadline. And here's why. You know, you might experience technology challenges. And guess what? Whoever's managing that scholarship is not going to extend the deadline because of challenges that you're having with your personal device. I also want your listeners to recognize that scholarship applications are a highly competitive process. So we always really want to put our best abilities forward. So in those essays, you know, the ones that ask about challenging situations and how you're navigating them, let's do things like sticking to the facts while avoiding pity and blame. You know, instead we can demonstrate lessons learned and our growth. And, you know, I want your listeners to know that it's okay if you're still navigating the challenge, that's okay. You can share that in the essay. We just don't want to, you know, name others and, you know, put the blame in other places. Some other hazards that are really within our control, you know, those errors, you know, again, particularly when we're rushing, we might actually, oh my goodness, skip a question, or we might have grammatical and spelling errors, you know, inaccurate representation. Now, I know that no students affiliated with the University of Illinois would ever do this. So I know that our listeners will just share this with, you know, students elsewhere. 
around the nation. You are perfectly fine exactly as you are. Share your story. There's no need to borrow segments from somebody else's experiences. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about overlooking those opportunities. So again, you know, opportunities, they may yield a smaller award amount. If you align with the mission and vision of that scholarship provider, make sure to apply for those because if you get two or three, you could very well have the scholarship support that you need for the academic year. This one, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record if anybody has older siblings or cousins that guide them or, you know, even uh, parents and professors. We do have to pay attention to the social media presence. Just like with job opportunities and internship opportunities, there are foundations in particular that have social media desires. You know, folks want to make sure that their brand is protected and that their scholarship recipients represent their brand. So if you are on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, whatever it might be, certainly we want you to have fun, but just make sure that you don't have things on those platforms that might be deemed offensive or contrary to the mission of a scholarship provider. And then, you know, certainly it's great to start the process early, uh, to have even a peer help you to read and edit your work. If anyone is like me and they happen to be a late night person, don't ever click that submit button at 4 a.m. I know that your best ideas are coming forth between 1 and 3 a.m., but You've been you know, going to school and working in a world full of morning people. You're exhausted. You are now seeing things that may not actually be there on the application, right? So we want to double check things with fresh eyes later in that day. Thank you so much, Kara. I think those are really good reminders for anyone searching for a scholarship, producing scholarship materials. I don't know if we've talked about where I work within the University of Illinois system, but I work in the Bursar office, which is the billing office for the university. And one of the things that we see sometimes is students not realizing that if they earn a scholarship later in the semester, it can affect their financial aid package and it could cause them to owe some of their financial aid refund money back or student account refund money back that they got earlier in the semester. And this doesn't always happen, but a good way to prevent it from happening is to understand the requirements of the degree program that you're in, as well as the scholarship that you're receiving and the federal or state financial aid that you might be receiving through your school. Another thing I think we should mention is that there might be taxes associated with your scholarships. So according to the IRS, how you use your scholarship money can affect whether or not they are considered taxable income. And what I will do is we'll make sure that we put in the show notes today a link to the IRS tax code specifically on fellowship funds and scholarships 
based on current tax law. In order for a scholarship to not be considered taxable income, the money must be used for qualifying expenses. And the qualifying part is specifically outlined in the IRS tax code. For example, if you buy a smartphone with your scholarship, that money could actually be taxable because it's not a qualifying educational expense. Even if you use your, your cell phone, your smartphone to log in a Zoom on your classes, right? Or to check your college email, it still would not be a qualifying expense. But the amounts that you use for room and board could also be taxable as gross income if it's from scholarship money because it's not considered a qualifying expense. They're very clear on what they consider qualifying expense. So that's another component that kind of complicates funding your degree (laughs) in general that I wanted to address. So we've covered a lot of information today about scholarships. So Kara, is there anything else you think our listeners should know about regarding scholarships or funding for a college degree in general? Of course, of course, of course. So um, Nikki, you're aware that here at UIC, the scholarship team is housed within student, student financial aid and scholarships. So, you know, as financial aid professionals, It's financial aid season, and we want students to receive the maximum funding support for which they are eligible. So every October 1st, the free application for federal student aid, also known as the FAFSA, becomes available. And again, for uh, students who are permanent residents in our great state of Illinois, who happen to identify as either undocumented or perhaps non-binary um, have the opportunity to submit the alternative application for Illinois financial aid instead of the FAFSA because they're, you know, the FAFSA eligibility uh, would not be for them. My friends, let me make it clear. You submit one or the other. And if you are eligible to submit the FAFSA, that's the one that you want to submit because there's more opportunity for funding support by doing so. Again, each application becomes available October 1st each year. And both are online and compatible for desktops, laptops, mobile devices, and now even tablets. So please, please complete and submit those as soon as possible for uh, financial support in the form of grants and perhaps loans. And of course, I encourage all of your listeners to get out and conduct scholarship searches and engage in the scholarship application process. And I wish everyone success in doing so. And finally, Andrea and Nikki, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you for inviting me to participate in today's discussion. And I hope that we have provided some guidance and helped students achieve their dreams with some financial support. Thank you so much again. Kara for for joining us today and sharing your wealth of knowledge to both us, Nikki and I, and our listeners. Yes, thank you so much for joining us, Kara. It was very informative. I wish that I had known that, and maybe not when I went to college, there was a resource like you there, but it's it's great for students and for incoming students to know that, that there are resources out there. To our listeners, thank you as always for listening to us and don't forget to like, subscribe and share. 
the Making Sense of Money podcast on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. 